Clothing is what the message is all about today. Clothing. Goodwill or Nordstrom's. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them which one you want to shop at. Goodwill or Nordstrom's. Go ahead. How many of you, your neighbor said goodwill? Wow. That's where we're at. That's our culture. Yeah. I ain't trying to drive all the way up to Beltway and go to Towson, you know what I'm saying, for some Nordstrom's. And if I get to Nordstrom's, I'm going to the rack. I ain't going upstairs, you know what I'm saying? Can I get a witness? Nordstrom rack. Yeah. I'm all about that discount. You know, I just can't shop. I can't pay full price. How many of you are with me on that? I'm cheap. I can't help it. H&M, you know what I'm saying? I don't even know what that stands for, but it stands for cheap, inexpensive, and, and it lasts for a, just a day longer than Old Navy, so I'm on it. But Old Navy's junk, man. I don't even care what y'all say. It's junk. It's probably made from the same company. It comes off the same factory, but Goodwill or Nordstrom's. I like Nordstrom's. I really do. I could get my Levi's from there um, that I can no longer fit in, um, but I'm working on it. Pray for me. Pray for me. Um, but the idea is there's definitely a, a culture with those two, two, two stores. And, and if you go to Goodwill, I mean, frankly, it's got a different fragrance to it. You know what I mean? It's got a different fragrance. If you walk into Nordstrom's, it's like there's a perfume aisle somewhere. You know what I mean? Like there's a cologne aisle somewhere. It smells good. You know, and it's got that brand Watch this, that brand new smell, right? That brand new pair of jeans, that brand new. How many of you just like fashion and you like clothes? It's okay. It's all right. Wicked. Give your money. The, no, I'm just kidding. I'm okay with that. I love that. You know, I, I, love, I love people expressing themselves and what they wear. Why? It's an opportunity. It's not, I'm going to be bumping into this the whole time. Sorry, Jesus, bumping into your table. But, but the idea is, it's kind of sacrilegious, forgive me. But, but, but the whole point is, is it's got its own identity to it, that store. And I, you know, pr- I mean, pray for me. My, my wife, my wife and I are just not thrift store shoppers. I mean, Macklemore's got it down, but not me. You know what I mean? It's just not something that I go in there and I buy something and I even find something like great. I'm like, this is awesome. And, I, and I'm like so pumped because I'm saving money, Pastor Ray. I know you didn't get that suit at Goodwill. Come on. <laughs> I love that thing. Son. <laughs> but the point, Frankie liked it. But, but the point is, is I'm trying to get to that point where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to shop at Goodwill. I got this. I got this, Angelo. And I come home, and I'm like, no, I can't just wash it. I'll, I'm going to take it to the dry cleaners. <laughs> so I take it to the dry cleaners, and then I get it home, and then we wash it three times, and I hang it up, and then I come in the next morning, and I'm going to put that shirt on. I got to go well. And it's just staring at me. And I'm like, I can do this. I got this. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm scared. I don't know who wore that shirt. I just don't know who it was. I don't know what happened in that shirt. And all day long, I think I'm a little OCD. It's like something. God, somebody fixed that. It was crooked. It's like something inside of me that just thinks, what happened in this shirt? I don't know. It's just the ambiguity kills me. Goodwill or Nordstrom's. But you know what? Sometimes we don't have a choice. There's been times in our lives where seasons of our lives. Where that's where we shopped because we couldn't go to Nordstrom's. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think if you're in that season of your life where you're in seven years of famine and not seven years of plenty, don't look down on people who are in the seven years of famine because you never know when they're going to be in the seven years of plenty. And if everybody just loves everyone in whatsoever state they're in, we'll be a better place and a better church. Judgment-free zone. It's just because they have money doesn't mean that they're not spiritual. And just because you're poor doesn't mean that you're not spiritual. The poor meet together and the Lord is the maker of us all. Amen. So that's not the point of the message. He going to try. I already see it. He going to try to get us to shop at Goodwill and give the rest of the money to the Lord. I mean, that's okay if you want to do that. But that's not the point of the message. You know what I mean? That's not the point. So don't try to already predefine what I'm going to do here. This is the last, last message in the city series. In the city, in your environment, in the place of work, in your place of worship, you're defined a lot of times by what you wear. We can't avoid it. It's who we are. 
right? Music talks about it in our pop culture. And I think that I'm, I'm really, the point of this series is to be relevant, to speak to where you are in your everyday life and just get you to serve better. Just get you maybe to be just a little bit more confident in your gospel sharing, in your witness. Just a little bit more. If you walk out of this series and you can take the maybe 10 messages that I've had and you can put them all together and say, you know what? I got just a little bit more confidence for the sake of the gospel. Then we succeeded. We, we succeeded. We achieved what we were trying to achieve here in the word of God. Because Jesus, in our story, he has begun recruiting. He has begun gathering his disciples to himself. And we already talked about the story, right? Where there were two boats there and, and he gets in the one and, and it's of course Peter, right? And he pushes away from the shore and he speaks to the multitudes. And then after that, he tells them, push away from the shore, go fishing. And then they say, we've already fished. We know what we're doing. You stick to preaching, we'll stick to fishing. And then he says, no, drop your net. They drop the net. It fills up with fish. They realize at that moment in time that with Jesus, their dreams will come true. They toiled all night, caught nothing. He speaks the word and their boat is filled. So therefore, whatever season they are going to enter it in, enter into, if they enter into that season with Jesus, they'll be successful. Whether that is grace and mercy in a time of hardship or whether that is mercy on others when you're in a time of plenty. They know entering into it with Jesus, they're going to be good. So they decide to surrender it all and follow him, which is amazing, right? That's the narrative as we're beginning to walk through Luke. Um, But we reach this point where these people enter into the story called the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And I think that my problem with these guys is their outreach sucked. It was terrible. If you didn't look just like them, If you didn't smell just like them, if you didn't shop at the exact same store they shopped in, if you didn't tie your tie with a double Windsor, if it was a half Windsor, you're out, bro. It had to be the exact way they wanted it or else you didn't get what they got. And the problem is, is in our postmodern, which is where we are, the modern age has come, information age has come, we're surging with Facebook and technology out the wazoo. If you want to know something, you Google it, you don't even now have to type it because of AI. Hey Siri, watch. Hey Siri. Ha ha! Got him! Did you hear it? You didn't hear it? Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Anyway, it's going, it's going ham. <laughs> you don't even know. But if I want to know, all I got to do is say, hey, yo, tell me what this is. Tell me the score. Tell me. And it's there. So in that, that has just, it's wrecked us in the church. Because pastors are scared. They're scared of what they don't know. They're scared of trying to keep up with this culture. And because of that, the immediate thing is to say, it's wrong. It ain't good. Stay away from it. (laughs) And I get that. I understand it. But that's not the answer. The answer is to not take everyone's individual freedom away, right, so that they can be more like Jesus. No, the answer is preach Jesus and lift him up and let them decide whether Jesus should be their Savior and King. And if they commit to it, they'll never walk away from it. But churches are forcing a mold on people. And unfortunately... Every millennial is going out the back door because they're like, "Uh -uh." no one tells me to do anything. (laughs) It's it's all my way. I check in where I want to check in at. You got what I'm saying. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? The, The point is, is religious leaders have not changed. That's my point. And as your pastor, if you're choosing, it's your choosing to sit here. No one's forcing you. No one's holding you down in the pew this morning. You better listen to me. No. Get up and leave if you don't want it. It's cool. I'll, poor Siri. It's okay, sweetheart. She's, I don't understand. I'm not forcing you to be here. I want, listen, I want you to be here. I want your relationship with Jesus to flourish and to grow. But I've realized this. What the Pharisees did did not work. What the Pharisees did, pushed Jesus to the cross. And you know what was okay with that? Here's what was okay with that. That's where he was designed to go. Jesus' ministry 
The, the design of his earthly ministry was to walk to the cross, was to pay our sin debt. Watch this. Everyone in here, it's not my design to walk you, Darlene, to the cross. You better change. You better do it. It's my whole point as a pastor to walk you to the cross, to crucify you on the altar of what I think is most important. And that's the problem. Religion. Oh, yeah, I lumped them all up in there. Buddhists. We got eight different ways that take to an enlightened path. Right? Whether it be a Catholic religion, it's mass It's the sacraments. Watch this. Whether it be an independent Baptist religion that I came from, it's all the same. If you aren't wearing a suit and tie by the fourth week, sending your tithe check automatically to our bank account, then you didn't get what I got. You follow me? Rules, regulation, law. That's what the Pharisees were all about. And to be honest, they lived it on the outside. But where did they not live it? They were full of hatred. They were full of anger. Because they defined, watch this, they found their identity in what they did, not who they were doing it for. And that's the same way with this culture. If you find your identity in that singer-songwriter, then as soon as that singer-songwriter falls off the bandwagon, what just fell off the bandwagon with it? Your identity. That's scary. What happens when that store goes under? I've been shopping there since I was six years old. It's gone. It's gone. I'll never look the same. My poor Instagram feeds. But that's the point. If you found your identity in a certain shop, if that shop goes away. But see, if we find our identity in something that never changes, that will always love us for who we are, then we always have an identity. Hence those people that have identity crises. I enter into the church. I follow their rules. They love me. What happens when their rules aren't enough? Never enough. Never enough. Never, never. Anyway, The Greatest Showman. It's still coming out. It's still coming out. It's okay. Bear with me. I may reference it so many times. (laughs) I haven't even made it to my first point. What am I doing? It's 1141. Okay. It'll never be enough. If it's your first time here, I'm an absolute mess, and I hope you love every second of it. (laughs) Let's read the text. Luke, next slide. Come on. Next slide. What you got? Luke, chapter 5, verse 27 through 39. Let's all stand. Let's read this together. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it's totally cool. I brought an electronic one with me. Read along with me. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. Hey, guys, guys, and when I say guys, I'm not being sexist. I mean girls and guys, okay? I love all of you. (laughs) His name was Levi, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. Turn to your neighbor and say, follow me. me. I would say only 30% of you did it. I'm not a mathematician. Turn to your neighbor and say, follow me. Follow me. And everything is all right. I'll be the one. Just kidding. (laughs) I told you I'm a mess. And he left all, rose up and followed him. Verse 29. I'm at Cody's mercy today. Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. Say his own. own. Turn to your neighbor and say her own. own. His His own. All right, we're good. We covered it. And there was a great company of publicans and of others. I love that part. And of others. What's that mean? And of others that sat down with them. Next verse. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against the disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Watch. And others. Who were they? Sinners. And Jesus answering said to them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Are you understanding what he's saying? Nobody could put it like that name of Jesus, right? I came not to call the righteous, but say the next word. To repentance. Oh my goodness. Y'all need to take that verse, write it on construction paper like you're three years old, cut that thing out and put it everywhere all over your house. 
Because that is the money. That's the gospel. And they said unto him, Why did the disciples of John fast often? And make prayers? Do you sense the piety in their voice? Why do they say unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. How was that? Some, I had three cups of coffee today. Disclaimer. Some, watch me, follow me. Some eat and drink. I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say that if they were publicans and sinners, that they weren't having orange juice. I'm going to go out on a limb. Some of them even eat and drink. Lord knows if there was a needle anywhere near him, he would have exploded like a balloon, full of his hot air. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? Oh my goodness, this is why I like Jesus. Look at what he said. But Oh, go back. Can you go back? I don't know if you can do that. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast? And this is another reason why contextually I think they weren't drinking orange juice. Because this was a wedding ceremony he brought into the picture for them to describe what was happening in that man's house. In Levi's house. He said, If you're with the bride in the bride chamber, are, are you not going to eat and drink? Next verse, 35. Remember, this is the last, last sermon in this series. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. Ooh, he starts speaking in a mystery. Jesus starts speaking in such a way that it's going to go, watch, whew, right over the Pharisees' heads. And they're just going, hold on, hold on, hold on, and saunter off. There's going to be a day when the bridegroom is taken away. What he's saying is, we're rejoicing right now because of what we have together. And when that is gone, trust me, they shall fast in those days, the days that we're in now, prophetically. Next verse, verse 36. And he spake also a parable unto them. Why did he do this? Once again, they had itching ears, the Bible says. They wanted to hear what they wanted to hear, and they didn't want to hear the truth. So what did Jesus do? He speaked in a parable. What does that mean? It means those that were applying themselves to hear it, heard it, and were ten times greater because they heard it, but those that heard it that were not there to hear it were damned ten times more because they never understood it. If it's still a mystery to you, then there's something wrong because that mystery has been revealed. It's deep. No man putteth a piece of it, watch this, of a new garment upon an old No man goes to Nordstrom's and takes his new t-shirt and cuts it and pulls a patch off of it and puts it on his Goodwill shirt to make a whole shirt. If otherwise, then both of the new maketh a rent. And the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. It ain't going to look right. Next verse, 37. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. How many of you are ready this morning to learn? How many of you are ready to dig into these parables and to dig into this story and find something that will help your heart this morning? I hope so, because we're going to do it anyway. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the truth of your word. Bless us this hour. May your Holy Spirit just blow over us like a fresh wind into our hearts, Father, and feed us spiritually. Take the dry bones, Father, and make them live. That's what I'm all about. In your son's precious and holy name, amen. You may be seated. Pause for a moment of drinking. Amen. Jesus sees Levi sitting in the booth. I need you to listen fast and I'm going to talk fast. Jesus sees him doing his job. Jesus, just try to keep up, Cody, with wherever I'm, next slide and whatever. Jesus sees something in someone that no one would have ever seen. Let's follow the narrative. Jesus sees something in someone that no one would have ever seen. Listen to me. 
no one would have ever seen. Who was that no one? What was his name? Levi. What was his name? What was his name? Turn to your neighbor and say, Levi. What pair of jeans did Pastor Matt say he likes? Got them. I was just checking to see. The whole thing's coming together. You think I'm crazy. You think I don't know where I'm going, but I know where I'm going. Levi. Get him at Nordstrom's. Let's follow the narrative. It's a new garment. <laughs> Levi left everything and he followed Jesus. I have to, I have to put time in there for the tremors of laughter that follow. <laughs> Levi left everything and he followed Jesus. Listen to me, church. Here's a little historical context. In this day and age, every Pharisee, every spiritual leader hated every tax collector. Let me ask you a question. Has anything changed? <laughs> no. The rich get richer. Why? Because the rich know, to, know how to avoid paying what? Exactly. Got them. That's why the rich get richer, because they avoid taxes. Most Americans, the, most, the biggest thing that you're paying towards is your what? Taxes. Wake up. They're robbing you blind. Just kidding. We're not here to talk about the government. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you excited this morning. But that's, that's the context. That's the historical context bringing it into modern, modern day. The Pharisees hated the tax collectors. Here's why. Let me put it in context. They're nice. There were um, two layers of tax collectors. I'm going to put this in like layman's terms. In this cultural society, ruled by the Romans, the Romans allowed the Jewish leaders to have their leadership and their setup the way that they wanted. But you had to render under Caesar that, that which was Caesar's, right? They had to have their system that went along with Roman rule, but yet still functioned spiritually the way that they wanted to worship. And so that's the understanding. There was a, a higher government that they answered to the Romans. And then in their uh, sort of local city tribe style ruling were their leaders like Caiaphas, the high priests that would make judgments on people according to their lifestyle. So you have Jewish rule, Jewish lifestyle also answering to Romans. And can someone say that there had to be some kind of mad middleman in between just taking a little off the top and putting it in the pocket? Like there's crazy stuff going on. But the tax collectors had that as well. There were big boy tax collectors, big boy bail bonds. I don't know why that came to my mind, but it did, and I said it. There it is. So there were big boy tax collectors, and those tax collectors had lower down people working for them in the community. The big boy tax collectors were up in the ivory tower in their amazing mansions that day, right? That everyone, all the, the taxes that watched, they would throw on to the people extra above and beyond what Rome would ask for. And they would skim that, put it in their pockets. Well, Levi being in the booth tells us that he wasn't one of the uppers. He was one of the what? Middle guys. Watch this. The uppers weren't hated as much as the middles. Nobody likes being the middleman. Ain't a thing changed. He's sitting in the tax booth, right? Doing his job. Taxes, taxes. And it's like when you're walking your children by that booth, they were raised to stare at him. Show hatred. Don't smile even if he looks at you. Right? That's the tax collector. No one likes him. They're all about money. All they do is steal and cheat and better themselves. They use their position to manipulate power to take more dollars from our pocket. It was the man, if you will. Right? Everybody understand? Happened in that day, oppression. That was Levi. So think about Levi's friends. Scripture said the others. Follow me? So Levi's sitting in the booth. Watch this. Jesus sees something in him that no one would have seen. Levi left everything and followed Jesus. So right there, we could just stop the story row and have plenty of conversation to fill up the rest of our time. What was Jesus thinking? Someone say he was strategic. You know what I'm saying. We already know that the boat he got into on the shore of the Sea of Galilee was Peter's boat. Any coincidence? Turn to your neighbor and say no. Yeah. Uh-uh. And Jesus walks by the tax collector's booth. He was seen. I think he was trying to make him mad. Everybody's watching him. And he's like, hey, guys, got a little detour. And he walks over and they're like, what is he doing? Stay away. Stay away. He's going to take your money. Watch. 
He walks up to the tax booth and he says, follow me. What are the implications of that? They're never ending. Who you are right now, I love you. I care about you. You know what? Your job, it doesn't matter. Your heart, last week, focus on the what? Inside. Your heart is what matters to me. I'll worry about the rest of that later. Your heart is what matters. I want you to follow me. And the Bible says that he come up out of that tax booth. Whoa. There was a change. I can't focus on that this morning. I don't have time. But the point is, is Jesus went to the most hated person in society, the crookedest crook that there was. And he said, follow me. I love you. Number one, does that give you hope this morning? Come on. If he go, he'll call him up out of that tax booth. If he'll go down to the strip club and call that person out that's skimming money, that's who he's talking about. He'll save me. I'm about to get excited, I'm telling you. He left everything and followed Jesus. Go to the next slide. What happened in the narrative? He wants to tell his friends. So he throws a party. He throws a party. This is Levi. I was in a tax booth yesterday, and today I'm with the Son of God. What? And here's my thing. Like, all the religious people, you know, they were like, Jesus needed some money for his ministry. (laughs) Right? That's what we do. Because we're not him. Because we don't look on the inside, we look on the outside. Mm -hmm, He needed a bookkeeper. I thought Judas was good enough. Know what I'm saying? You follow me? Levi was overwhelmed. I can't tell you how much oppression this man had on his life because no doubt the big man was putting pressure on the little man to say, this is how you have to do it. I don't care how many kids they have. You take money from them. You take advantage of them. You extort them. You, I don't care. I, I get this because I'm who I am and you get this. That is end of story. Every day he had to do that. Every day he had to take. Every day he had to live in that sin. He had to see the consequences of his sin. And one day, a man from Galilee. Has anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, something good came into my life. He walked up to my tax booth and yanked me up out of there. And it wasn't, I can just see him telling his friends, you know, Philip, I just want to, t- Philip was his boy, next, lived next door. Philip, I just, I just want to share something with you that I felt, I didn't just leave the tax booth. I didn't just leave that part of my, my, my position. I left my life there, and I'm totally different. I can't explain it, but I got to tell everybody about it. Start a chain. Get on my group me of tax collectors. Get on there and send every happy emoji that I think I have, because it's going to be a party at my house. Now, wait a minute. He only had a day. I don't think his partying changed that much. I could see him at the front door with his favorite hip-hop on. Before, it would have been a cover charge. You know what I'm saying. I'm a tax collector. Excuse me. You know I got to pay for the chips. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But something's different. Levi's at the door. And he's saying, it's free. Come on in. And the Bible says that they were seated around a table, eating and drinking and enjoying. And guess who was in the middle of them? Jesus. Oh my goodness gracious. I want to be that guy. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid. Because Jesus didn't let the party identify him. He identified himself as the Son of God through the Father. Don't be scared to get into culture a little bit. Don't be scared. Trust me, there has been a period of my life that it was like, some of you have been a part of that growth with me. I'm kind of looking at something. But it scared me to go close to it. It scared me. I'd almost get itchy. Oh my goodness. That's bad music. (laughs) I'm scared. Jesus was there. Oh my goodness. You think he could have been anywhere he wanted to be, Steve? Was anybody forcing him to be there? Go to the next one. Levi throws a party. And then there's the other group. Say it with me. The Pharisees. The spiritual. 
Now, now listen, I, I want you to get everything out of this narrative that we can. That's you and me right now in the story. We're the religious people. We're the one who know how to dress and how to act. I still don't know how to act in church. Lord, forgive me. But the point is, is that's us. We now are sitting on that side of the story. We're the spiritual. How many of you, and I'm not trying to be rude and crude when I say these things, but how many of you were strippers last night? And it's okay if you were. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But you have to understand. Follow me. Follow me. How many of you were prostitutes last night? No, it's not funny. Seriously. How many of you, watch, Pharisees. How many of you were, here's a modern day example. How many of you were hacking someone's bank account and took everything they owned last night? And then you're in church today. It's okay. Listen to me. Those were the people at the party. The other. Jesus was sitting with what the Pharisees called sinners. Let me help you with something. This story, if you're a Pharisee today, isn't going to end well for you. So you you might as well go on and get on the boat right now. Because the point, the Pharisees, go to the next one. Watch this. And this is what many do. They spiritualize what they do. Pharisees grumble, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? It's in the book. I'm not making this up. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I can just see it. Did you hear who Pastor Matt had over at his house the other night? Uh Uh-uh. That church, I give it six months. It's going down now. Six months. Shut it down. Did you watch that Facebook Live? I'm not sure what he had in his glass. (laughs) I'm not either. Do you understand the narrative? This is why people are laughing when I'm trying to be serious. You all got to fill me out here, okay? For those listening to the podcast. That's what's going on. Here I am, and this has happened in my past. I'm trying to be Christ-like, reaching out. And everyone else that's supposedly Christ-like is ripping me apart, tearing me down. Nothing like a Christian to shoot his own. Nothing like a Christian to stab his own. It's the Son of God. Maybe you say, I just didn't like his attitude. You know, you know I get it. I get it. That's so Christianese. I get what he's trying to do. But I just don't think it's working. I just don't think it's going to be fruitful. What does that mean? What kind of fruits are you growing? Organic. That was good. Look what the Pharisees grumble about. I'm not even looking at the clock. Forgive me. Just stay with me. Pharisees grumble. You're, you're eating... And, and drinking with, with tax collectors and, watch, the worst of the worst. Fill in the blank. The worst of the worst. That's who you're with. Drug dealers. I hate drug dealers. I hate what they're doing to our society. Drugs are killing everyone. Sure they are. How do you reach it? Pick it. Pick it, pick it, pick it. I'm picketing against all the things that I hate. Why don't you let them into your home? Oof. I hate, I mean, top things that are picketed by, by these pharisaical groups. Abortion, that's a heavy one, right? Heavy one in our culture. Do you agree with it? Absolutely detest it, hate it. What's the fix? Telling them how grotesque and horrible they are or loving them? The worst of the worst Of society. The Pharisee says, you're eating and drinking with them? Y'all aren't ready for this. Go to the, I can tell, I can just tell. Go to the next one. Here's the narrative. See, oh, it's hard. You can't really see the three dots. Can you see it? Here's the text conversation. Jesus' phone dings in his pocket. And he pulls it out. Gosh, I should have kept my number private. These Pharisees are on me. They saw me post it. On Instagram, I put it out. Stinking John, I told you not to tag me, bro. 
man, we're trying, to, we're trying to keep this party on the DL. This is for his friends. This is for Levi's friends and all. Man, Jesus pulls his phone out. Jesus, you claim to be God? And you're hanging out, and you're not hanging out with godly people? You're not hanging out with us? You're not throwing a party for the spiritual people? Godly people? And Jesus, exactly. One word answer. Exactly. Pharisees, what? Why? Because people who are godly don't need help being godly. Just stop right there. Stay with me, folks, because i got to speed this up. I can see you just disengaging your mind. Stay with me. People who are godly don't need help being godly, Pharisee. Church, I hate to say it this way, but who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I'm here to heal those who need healing. I'm here to bring sinners to repentance. I'm not here to leave them. They think that this party is it, but the party is just getting started. They ain't seen nothing yet. They think they get a buzz from that glass of wine, that old wine that's been down in that old wine skin. They think they get a buzz from that. Wait till the Holy Spirit of God gets a hold of their life and gives them more joy than they've ever had. You think that drug gives it to you? Why don't you get a hold of the Holy Spirit and you'll experience something clean time that you were talking about the other night that I was just so overwhelmed with the joy of hearing you talk, hearing you share about the goodness of God. No one outside that room, nobody. I think I'm screwing up the whole anonymity, whatever, however you say. I'm sorry, but the point is, is you're sharing that you're living your best life now. Oh my goodness. That's something I get excited about. Pharisee, you're getting your kicks and thrills off tithing, off clipping your little mint plants, off giving your money. Here's what Jesus said to them. You have your reward. Your reward is others seeing you do it. But what I'm doing down here is going to last for eternity. I'm here to heal people who need healing. Watch this. The Pharisees start comparing. Let me ask you this question. This is tough. Are you constantly justifying? Then you are not justified. Listen to that again. Don't miss that. Are you constantly justifying your behavior? Then you're not justified. You see, a sinner that was at the party is not going to justify his behavior. He is who he is. I am who I am. I'm sorry about the mistakes I've made. And Jesus says... Perfect. I'm there. Because you're not justifying your behavior. But if a Pharisee says, why are you over there? I'm over here. They're justifying their position because they are not justified. There's something about a person who has peace. They don't have to justify every little thing. Husband, when you're in that marriage relationship and you're constantly justifying your behavior and your text messages and your inappropriate things that are going on, chances are your wife, it's not passing the sniff test. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why is he constantly justifying his behavior? That's an illustration that puts it as clear and as plain as day that everybody in this room gets. Jesus looked at the Pharisee and said, you haven't stopped talking about yourself. But yet I'm with people who you're talking about and all they keep telling me is how amazing it is that Levi found a new way. And all they're telling me is how happy and how excited they are about Levi finding peace in his life. Hey, hey church, this is the city series. This is where we get down to the nitty-gritty. I had to use a Nacho Libre reference right there. Some of you aren't ready for this. I get it. But you know what? You need to get ready. We're not a church full of Pharisees. We're a church full of real people, real talk. That's it. I'm tired of seeing the, <laughs> the attitudes, the better thans. Man, that wasn't Jesus. Here's the comparing. I have to give this quickly. John the Baptist, this is what they say. I'm going go to I'm gonna go to the text really quick. I'll just paraphrase. 
JB versus JC. The Pharisees constantly saying and justifying who they are and, and why they're doing what they're doing. What do they say? They say, John the Baptist, his disciples fasted what? Often. There was only one time a year that it was by the law a mandatory fast, only once a year. But they fasted multiple times a month. Whose idea was that? God's or theirs? Theirs. JB versus JC. John the Baptist, his disciples, fast often. And yours, here comes the pious voice, yours are in there with Levi, drinking it up. JC says, uh, the bridegroom is in the bride's chamber. It's a celebration. They're celebrating in this party the fact that I'm here. They're so excited that Jesus came into their lives. Don't you get it? Why would we fast? Why would we put food and, and, and drink away? Because, because I'm here. Don't you get it? No, you don't. That's why you weren't invited to the party. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pharisees weren't invited because they didn't need the party. But everyone who needs Jesus during that time was celebrating Jesus. But he says, watch this prophetically, when I go away, then they will. Church, (laughs) Jesus has gone away. He died on that old rugged cross and paid for the sins. He paid for that party we were at. He paid for every sin, every thought that deceives us. He paid for it and justified all of us. And because of that, he has gone away. But guess what? He's coming again. And if you have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you're missing out on the whole party. The Pharisees immediately begin to point the finger, immediately begin to say why John's disciples were better than theirs. Jesus very quickly puts them in their place and says, it's a time for celebration, not a time for fasting. Here's an example for you. Look at these two t-shirts. Can you see it? Oh, yeah, yeah, kind of loaded. This one's on a gray background. This one... Somebody tell me where that came from. Ah. Someone turn to your neighbor and say where this one came from. Church. Frankie. I love you. Look, this one, this one came from Goodwill. Somebody tell me where that one came from. It's pretty. In my white tee. It's it's clean. I like hip-hop. I'm sorry, guys. It's clean. Listen, church. Listen. I'm about to fall. I need a laser point. He begins to speak in a parable. I'm going to paraphrase real quick. Jesus says to them, can you take an old shirt and take a patch from it and act like you're making something new from that? Does a child understand this? If you have a new shirt and you get a hole on the old one, I just got this brand new shirt from Nordstrom's. I'm going to cut it really quick and I'm going to take that patch, DJ, and I'm going to put it on my old shirt and then I won't have a hole. And then someone tell me how many good shirts you will have at that point. Huh? Huh? You mean to tell me that if we have an old shirt and it gets a hole in it, we can't take a new shirt to patch an old shirt and expect it to look right? Church? Watch this. Here's the Pharisee. What is he saying? How many of you like the idea of parables? How Jesus was like, at that moment, I can see my man just, he's at the party. He's like, bench, please hold me. <laughs> he's at the party and he gets that text and he's like, oh my goodness. Then, then there's Jesus, there's somebody at the front door and he's dealing with the Pharisees and he's like, wait, 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 guys, Joe, I got this. You, 
comes in. The Pharisee's like, you expect me to believe that you're the Son of God. Look at you. Look at all these sinners, publicans all around you. What are you thinking? You were preaching in the synagogue last week. That'll never happen again. And Jesus says, it's okay. I came for them, not for you. What? How dare you? And he goes, let me help you with something, bro. You're an old shirt. And what I'm doing here is producing a bunch of new shirts. And my whole point here is to not get them, is to not let them take their new thing and try to patch your old broke thing up. I'll take a bunch of new things. And then everybody, ah! Facebook Live, that one. Woo, that was so good. And Jesus is like, whoa, come down. I got another one. I got another one. All right, listen. What if you took new wine and put it into an old wineskin? What's going to happen then? They're all like, Jesus. It's going to burst. <laughs> this is literally what happened. I have something really close to it. <laughs> Does the Bible come alive to you like this? Are you reading what I'm reading? What was his point? You can't take new wine and let it season in an old barrel. That old barrel needs to grow with the new wine as it ferments. The gases that come when fermentation takes place and breaks down that new skin allows that skin to expand. Oh, I'm about to have a fit. The Pharisees were the old skin, the rules, the law, the regulation. If you take someone who is so excited about their new faith in Jesus and you try to put them into that religious system, they'll burst. They won't make it. I watched youth after youth after youth burst because they were trying to put new wine in an old skin. They were trying to take a new patch and put it on an old shirt, and that doesn't work. Right over their head. This truth, let me help you with something. 99.9% of Christians miss this completely. What you're getting right now is the Word of God at its best. I'm not asking you this morning to jump into an old t-shirt. I'm asking you to let the love of God give you a new one. You know the great thing about new t-shirts? They're new. New prints, new designs, new color, all different colors. I like colors. I like all types of t-shirts, v-neck. I mean, I mean, I, I'm even going to get into it. Tank tops. I ain't got the guns for that. But here's my point, church. I want you to be you. I want to have a bunch of new t-shirts running around this church because it's simply Jesus. How are we going to reach the city? Not figuratively, but the people in your life that God has brought to you. Let them be new. Let them be them. Don't try to take something you are in the past and apply it to them and expect a new t-shirt. The Pharisees could not understand that concept. When I read this, it ripped me 10 ways to Friday. I was like, oh, my goodness, I pushed away from my desk and I just let it wash over me and just wash over me and wash over me. And I think I sang a worship song in the middle of Starbucks. I was just like, oh, my God, I just got it. I just figured it out. Wait, you mean it's something as simple as an old T-shirt and a new T-shirt? They that be in Christ are... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And listen to me. I'm not here to tell you what to stop doing. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And that is a perfect process called sanctification. And watch, your new wineskin will grow with you. I'm not expecting you to look like an old, seasoned wineskin that has maybe the tastiest wine of all in it, right? I'm not expecting that from you. There are saints in here, saints of God, that I just love to be around. Why? Because 
forgive me, in the context of the illustration. They're older wineskins. They were new, but they're the new old, right? The new old, and their faith has grown in such a beautiful way. But you take me, and you put me in that skin, oh, Lord, that's not going to look good. (laughs) Does everybody understand the difference between goodwill and Nordstrom's? I'm asking all of you to give grace today. We're all going to go to Nordstrom's, and we're all going to get a new T-shirt. Follow me, because they that be in Christ are new. And I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to patch you up. Here's the great thing about salvation. When Jesus paid for your sins, he paid for, the Bible says, the sins of the world. All. Wait a minute, what's that mean? We were talking about this the other night. Nick, this was a good one. What's that mean? It means that tomorrow when you sin, that doesn't mean you're an old skin. That means that you're living in the past. How many ever met someone that just can't live their future without living it in the past? Anybody ever met that? That's new wine in an old wineskin. Let me help you with something. If you're looking at all of the sins that are staring you in the face right now as you're sitting in church, what does this mean? What are the implications? I want to go to the party. I want to go to the party. I want to be at Jesus' party. I want to accept everything that Jesus is trying to tell me. But what if? What do I have to change? I'm an old, dirty, ter- old, dirty t-shirt. Watch this. So is I. And I'm not a new t-shirt because of what you see. I'm a new t-shirt because of what you don't see. I'm a new t-shirt from the inside. And my wineskin on the outside is stretching with time. Woohoo! I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'll let the inside tell you how to work the outside. But if you've never joined the party, party emoji, if you've never joined that, watch, 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 watch. Today is the day. 